Welcome to the Perimenopausal Mamas Podcast for hormonal mamas who want to reclaim their own natural state of health to thrive and raise healthy kids. I'm Dr. Lisa Weeks, naturopathic doctor in Toronto, Canada. I'm a perimenopausal mama to my toddler named Stuart. And I'm Dr. Tony Reed. I'm a naturopathic doctor, birth doula, and hypnobirthing educator in Calgary, Alberta. And I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little girl, Frankie. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not meant to substitute professional medical advice. Always consult with your licensed healthcare provider. Welcome back, everyone, to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast. It's Dr. Tony, and I'm here today with a special guest. Absolutely wonderful that I could be in person with this guest right? today. Yeah. It is amazing musician, songwriter, teacher, writer, Kenna Barima. She has been really a very visible kind of, uh, I feel like a very important person in the Calgary music scene. Dr. Tony. Yes. (laughs) I mean, we connected years ago. Yeah. Because you've always been incredibly community minded. I try to be. Yeah, it's natural. And then we just recently connected again. Yeah. Because I heard about, again, your wonderful new project. Thank you. Um, you call it a song cycle. I call it a song cycle. I do. Yeah. 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 It's called while she sleeps. Yes. So uh, just that title, like if you know, you know, <laughs> right. Right. As yeah. A as a parent. As a yeah. Whereas like, okay. So that just really drew me in. Cause yep. it made me so curious. Like, yep. Ooh, what were you doing while she was sleeping? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, and then finding that out, hearing you and seeing you perform Mm -hmm. this incredibly moving set of songs that uh, again, is again, one of those things, if you know, you know, the challenges that can come in postpartum. Mm -hmm. Funnily enough, funnily enough, strangely enough, coincidentally, we uh, became parents around the same time. Yeah. So, um, so again, you're, especially with what you've just created and then also the other projects and what you're doing Mm -hmm. in the community in terms of, of songwriting. And I just thought, okay, I really need to, to have you on the, the, the show. And And here we are finally, we are finally, of course it happens. And because I just think again, this you have, I think, some really great nuggets to share in terms of what your experience has been yeah. postpartum, how you used who you are as a musician and your creativity um, to come out of that. Yeah. And then and then also, uh, again, we'll talk about another piece, which which, again, you love to talk about in terms of like creativity how mm-hmm. and how we lose can really lose that as adults and mothers yes and and so yes so thank you so much for being here oh thank you 
And thanks for agreeing to have this conversation. Ah, thanks for the lovely intro. It's yeah. it's a little bit surreal to be able to sit across from someone and, and and hear those words. So thank you. Well, it's so funny because of course I was like picking up snippets of all of the things you've done so that I could really introduce you properly because yeah. it's like, and especially to really use the right language because you know, you know, to be just like a singer songwriter can mm-hmm. mean many things many things to to many people yeah and so it's like okay how do you call yourself and it's so funny I came across an old article by a friend of ours Elizabeth 20 oh yeah what a wonderful writer um that you were one of the 40 under 40 in Avenue Magazine in Calgary back in the day. I was. So, like, I was. so again, you yeah. know, that's, again, a piece of, like, really how how cherished you are and how respected you are oh, and have been. Thank you. Yes. I've been talking with my therapist that being cherished is one of my unmet needs. So I love that, you brought, I love that you brought it up. Yeah. Uh, yay for therapy, for counseling. Um, and yay for recognizing needs and getting the needs met. So right? I'm getting there. I'm yeah. getting there. Yeah. Uh, but that's definitely an ongoing conversation. And I can only imagine um, with your listeners that um, n- even clocking what my needs were and are, mm-hmm. uh, what it was a process, right? Because it's one thing to be asked, which I th- I think so many of us would like to have had that narrative of, well, what do you need? Right. And, and when we talk about becoming mothers, there is this, um, yeah, there is this narrative is of like that. Yes. People do want to be in service to a new mother. Um, but what I experienced and what, um, uh, it sounds like many others have experienced within my own friend circle is that you get asked, but you have no clue. You just have no clue. Um, and even as like some of the sleep deprivation of the first, you know, year or so starts to dissipate, even then, like, I just didn't know what my needs were. Um, and and so to return to counseling and, and you know, get my homework of, of like really looking at and facing, well, what do I, because what the process was, mm-hmm. um, was what do you, what are your needs? And when I returned with my homework, um, I had written down my five needs and she knows me so well, my therapist. And she's like, these are lovely needs. What about these underneath? And so I had these needs of like silence, solitude, which I do need. Um, but like there was, they were needs that I realized after unpacking them with her was that they were needs that I felt I should have. Ah, and so under the set under the list of five was then um one which was to be cherished Mm. and uh and and i and i wonder if you can tell even just by the way that i said it that like so she saw the list and then she saw the word cherished and she went that's your need and i'm like burst into tears right Mm -hmm. because because I remember when I went through the process I'm like uh there was still the residual of like even though having done so much work on my self-worth and acceptance and love and and taking care of myself even the word cherished just felt very um uncomfortable for me because I because it was something that I realized that I wanted I so want want to be cherished and yet 
um, I didn't think that I could ask for it. Yeah. And so the, uh, immediately, and my therapist is obviously so intuitive. She just is like, an, an unmet need is, is, is exactly that. It's something that you haven't received. So, so doesn't this make sense? I'm like, Oh, right. Yeah, I guess so. Because it was, um, in, in direct relation to, um, because as I, um, as I think everyone that you probably speak to, their story is, is circuitous and, and, um, I, I'm waving my finger in the air right now <laughs> to allude to like a non-linear, uh, progression of experiences that like, not only, um, did I claw my, really claw my way out of postpartum depression, um, write this album, uh, I also, uh, dissolved a marriage. So, um, so, so, so nothing in isolation, like all those things Mm -hmm. happened in tandem with me discovering my self-worth. And so, um, for me to, to be able to have a conversation with, even just with a therapist about what I feel are my unmet needs, it was very much a realization that was then connected to, I can experience how being cherished because I cherish my daughter and, and I consciously and intentfully will sit with her and interact play. That was a big learning process for me. Cause as a child, I didn't play necessarily. Um, there was no time uh, to play mm-hmm. that uh, I can now witness and experience how she experiences being cherished. Like I can witness it. I can like when I'm just sort of, shooting all that love out at her mm-hmm. um, and being present for her completely. My mm-hmm. phone's not anywhere in the room. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm just there with her as her mom um, that I can just see. It's like, it's like a flower. I mean, it sounds so cliche, but again, I'm using my hands. It's just like this blossoming. I can tell that she just feels it. And that th- there is just like this, this need that I, that th- this will not be an unmet need for her. And so for me to be able to give that to her, um, it's that loop. Uh, and I'm sure there's a word for it, but um, healing the inner child probably would be a process that I um, see myself being a part of uh, very much. So particularly as now um, having embarked on a, a single uh, mom journey with her. And so um, being able to um, be empowered to, um be to be fully in those moments and to fully um mm, have those experiences and 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 create the story of them too like create the meaning like it's not just that i'm sitting with my daughter playing with her i'm also playing like i'm also playing with my inner child that like i'm learning how to play i'm learning how to just be present in, in what you know for years just like was so hard it was so boring and just agonizing and like frustrating and 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 right like mm-hmm. all the things about early motherhood which are just so hard so, uh, so hard and you know and i always am telling my you know the women i work with mm-hmm. and myself as well that like we get to be the parents for our kids that we didn't get parented ourselves. Oh my God. Which is again, amazing. Yeah. Our parents did the best that they could with what they had. Yeah. And just, again, times are different. Yeah. We get to do our own work and our own healing while parenting. And again, our kids are going to still pick up crap from us. And, but it's just going to be so much 
different down the road. Yeah. And as we parent, we, again, we get to heal too. Yeah. We get to do things differently. Yeah. That, that was exactly it. I, right. I have, uh, it was amazing because I didn't um, like sort of to go back to when I realized that I needed to um, do something. Uh, I think that, so I was, mm, my daughter was around two years old and and I had started to regain some bodily autonomy. Mm -hmm. She wasn't, um, we had completed breastfeeding. Um, I was returning to my teaching practice um, and just doing all the things but I was so very out of control emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, she was never a good sleeper. She's a great sleeper now, but like those, those early years up until about four, she was just a really not a good sleeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still co-sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and now my sleeps are mostly through the night though. Now th- there's like a foot in the face and like a hot body right beside me. Just like, <laughs> oh, like, seven, like she's not seven. She's six. Like I have a little body create so much heat. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yes. but like in those, yeah, like just it's, it's, uh, I'm sure we talk about it. I'm sure you talk about it a lot, but like what sleep deprivation does mm-hmm. uh what it does to a relationship what it does to a person um i was uh, i thought it was just that right and 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 i thought uh yeah i just knew i just knew there was a couple instances where i had just reached the edge of um my control Mm-hmm. with my daughter mm-hmm. uh and like she was a toddler right two three um my parents had been able to break some pretty substantial um cycles of abuse uh mm-hmm. from their own childhood mm-hmm. um but with that incredible feat that both of them were able to undertake they um and my mom uh my mom and i have a wonderful relationship my father has passed um, but that, uh, and, and she, 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 she would understand this is that like, uh, as when they were parents uh, of, I'm the eldest of four, um, there was no, and I don't think even there was talker at this time, you know, in the late seventies and eighties mm-hmm. around regulation, right. Around mm-hmm. emotional oh, regulation, talk. nervous system regulation. Yeah. Um, but like from the age of eight onwards, I was just as a kid, growing up on a, on a farm in Saskatchewan, um, eldest of four, uh, we were just kind of like feral children and and also just like in in a, in a state of chaos from the time I was eight years old until, uh, 44 years old. Right. And just not really realizing that. But when, um, when I started realizing that I actually didn't have control of myself in Mm -hmm. moments when she was out of control, and of course she's going to be fucking out of control. She's two, she's three. Like, of course. Of course it's going to happen. But I realized that like, I didn't actually have the tools yeah. and I was feeling that I, like I was starting and, and, and I'll, I'll say this here. I, I wouldn't have been able to have the strength to say it a couple of years ago, but I could see and I could really appreciate. And, and it's still like, uh, feels quite crunchy and tight, but I could, I could see how physical abuse could happen. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. um, Cause I was just brought to the edge, um, so often and, 
and I didn't like that edge because um, I could control, but like it was, it was like I would have to remove myself, but I'd be super heightened and I was yelling a lot and like almost on the verge of, of physical confrontation. And, and, and again, this is like someone like this little being that I love. She's just, she's just trying to live and figure her own shit out as, <laughs> as a three-year-old. And so that was where I was like, I got to, I, okay. Um, so, so yeah, I, I sought out counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, I started journaling mm-hmm. and, um, it was within that year. Also, I quit drinking. Oh, interesting. That's definitely a conversation we've had on this. Podcast. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. And, and certainly like I, um, you know, since then, so that was four years ago. Um, I've been able to return to it with a, a much more healthy relationship. Um, once every couple months, but, um, I think being a musician, being an artist and, and, uh, being late to family life, um, be, you know, being a 40 year old, um, mother, mm-hmm. um, meant that I had quite a lengthy <laughs> career mm-hmm. on the stage. And as well, it meant that like, that I was able to partake in, um, the rock and roll lifestyle for a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. Which was my coping mechanism, um, to allow me to run away from things that I just didn't want to look at about Mm -hmm. myself, about my childhood, about, uh, well, you know, all the things that we'd like to run away. Well, that we want to run away from. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I just couldn't run away anymore. And, and so the things that I would use to run away, uh, to, I just can't, I couldn't do it as a, as a mom, um, being hungover and trying to parent. I just, uh, luckily I had the wire to go, well, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> I did like a literal pros and cons list. <laughs> did you literally Drink, yes, list? drinking and well, I'm a Capricorn. Nice. So I have this very strong, like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make lists. I'm going to make columns. Nice. I'm going to like, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I remember talking with another mom who had talked about how they'd even done like a numbering system or it's like certain mm-hmm. thing, pros and cons carry different, uh, weight. Oh yes. For me, it was just like a really short list, uh, right. on the pro side and a really long list on the con side of keeping drinking. Cause I really do love to party. I really do love to drink, but like that's, you know, tops four to six hours. Mm-hmm. The repercussions for me were 48, 72 hours. And then also the repercussions of just family life. Right. And all the things. So, so I believe that like at that time, uh, those early years, um, I also just didn't know that I was in any kind of state that would be considered postpartum depression Mm -hmm. um, because I had experienced and worked through very dark uh, moments throughout my life and usually they would coincide with like March and November right mm. like I would usually fall into something around those times and and generally it would be very much connected to just pushing myself to the limit um in terms of work and hustling um and just fall yeah just falling into into depression that would last a couple of weeks and then just through you know sheer will and determination I'd be able to pull myself out and then sort of continue on with life but and never really sort of clock it. Um, but I think at least what I experienced with postpartum, um, was that I didn't know that I was in it, even having all the resources, um, from the outside, what would seem to be all the support. Um, and, uh, and then also friends who were moms as well, where we had conversations about it all the time. Right. But I, but I think that like, if you're hiding and covering and not sharing, then like, yeah, it's just, it's just not something it's everyone else or it's someone else. Like I just never clocked it. And and also there was my partner at the time as well. My husband at the time um, had 
his own severe struggles. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just couldn't see like the forest. Through, what, what's I'm, I'm I mix them. I mix metaphors all the time. I couldn't see the forest through the weeds. <laughs> I couldn't see the forest through the trees. Right. Like yeah. I, just, I just couldn't see it. Was it a piece of like, you felt like, Oh, I'm not as bad as, or, yes. or this isn't, this couldn't be it because. Well, this is how it is. Yeah. This is how it is. Yeah. This is, this is how it is. Um, this is, this is how it is. Uh, and of course it's hard. Of course it's hard. And, and like, also, I think being always also, I come from poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to be in a place where it's like, well, I got a nice home. Um, like everything seems to be taken care of uh, mostly. And yet, right. Those pieces, mm-hmm. those pieces are are missing. And so mm-hmm. what really, um, you know, began as, well, something's wrong with me. Um, Cause that's what I felt is that, well, it's gotta be my problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, living in a house, um, I try to be as, you know, when I talk about my personal story, it's my story that I talk about very specifically. My daughter is a player within the play of my story. Yes. And then, um, you know, as I alluded to at the beginning, my, I'm no longer with the father of my daughter, um, that, that though I speak, um, very openly about my inner inner workings and inner journey and my own story. I this is sometimes where I start to uh find how private I am. Mm-hmm. And also like how do you talk about other people's journey when they're not when it's not their story? But suffice sure. it to say, um depression and alcoholism is is something that that I have uh worked with and experienced and um yeah, had to um, witness unfolding in in my life uh, for a number of years, and and so I think that uh, you know it reminds me, and I I bet you've talked about this too, right? The the consumerist capitalist sort of presentation of women, particularly moms, and wine. Yeah, wine, mommy, wine culture, right? Mommy's juice, mo- yeah. mommy, wine culture, right? Yeah. Tote bags, t-shirts, yeah. wine like, o'clock, wine o'clock, like yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. and, um, you know, and now being on the other side of, of having, you know, seen how alcohol is just like, it, it's just, it's any non-drinker, I think will have that perspective, right? Like yeah. once you extricate yourself from what is just like embedded within social, uh, norms of, of society and how we, like how society is set up, alcohol mm-hmm. is so connected to it mm-hmm. that once you become a non-drinker, even if it's just for a couple weeks or or a couple months, like I know dry January is a big deal. Mm-hmm. I remember watching that unfold and being mm-hmm. rah rah about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that it is something to sort of go, oh, um, because I think a lot of times, yeah, when moms uh, when moms got together, it was like, what can we do to escape? Yeah, what can we do to escape? And yeah. and. And certainly that was for me. And I think that's, um, you know, I have my opinions on, uh, you know, everyone, everyone imbibes in all sorts of uh, substances for all sorts of reasons. For me, it was definitely to cope and to escape uh, and to have a good time, right? Mm -hmm. Like I do have that sort of wiring where I do like to, uh, I like to party. Yeah. Right. Like I love to, 
Yeah. And, and is there, is there a piece where like being a musician yeah. and, and being in those circles and, and like, that's what it's, you did for so many years, yeah. it just becomes really ingrained. Absolutely. In the same way that like, I've heard of how smokers, when they quit smoking, that having something that is a, a physical representation of what they're doing, because it's not just like the actual drug itself, but it's the emotions mm-hmm. that go along with it. So yeah. I would find that I'd finish a song on stage and then, or I'd finish a song in rehearsal. And it was like, I wouldn't even think for it. I would reach on automatically for the beer on my amp. Um, and I think that lots of people do that, right? You get home from work and you just immediately go to the fridge and you yeah. crack a beer with like, and you don't even think about doing those things that are the, that's what a habit is. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, uh, you know, being very certain to, and I think it was just something that I'd, uh, being a musician, seeing how it's ingrained within the industry that I work in and the career, you know, the career that I had chosen um, and then removing myself to have a kid um, meant that there was just so many things that became, I, I thought about them differently. I wouldn't say they became obvious to me because again, my way that I look at things is going to be different from the way uh, someone else looks at things. And I always, I always try to be really careful about talking about my journey and, and what I did mm-hmm. to become, to to what I consider to become well. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel well. I'm still fucked up. We can swear on this podcast, right? I will put a little explicit sign on it. So no worries. You don't have to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right? Still, like, I still have so much to process. And um, and, and I think like well, motherhood, right? There's just so much to process well, that we can't process outside of parenting. It's just like at the same time. Well, and I mean, we're works in progress. Like you're not going to like reach this state of nirvana where yeah. everything's going to be figured out yeah. and everything's going to be perfect. Yeah. Like that is just like we're That's human true. beings. That's not true. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's, there's no perfection here. Yeah. And we always, it, well, and there's the onion, you know, you peel the layers of the onion yeah. and there's another layer. Yeah. And, and I really truly believe like, that's the kind of work we get to do until we're done. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that because I've battled, uh, um, I call it the beast of perfectionism my entire Mm -hmm. life. I think that Mm -hmm. classical music, particularly as a genre, um, and the institutional, um, academic setting of, of learning and then teaching, Mm -hmm. um, classical music really rendered me a perfect subject for a battle against Mm -hmm. perfectionism, which then is just like such an overarching, uh, conceptual thing that then like really fed into being a mom, even though I, even though I knew and loved what, you know, how, how, you know, that this element of, or like not organic, but just like this element of like, this is who I am. This is how I want to raise my child. Mm -hmm. I can do this naturally, not always get it right. And I was, again, I can only imagine like how, like I, I was 40 when I had my daughter. So you know, with 40 comes so much understanding and experience versus even tw- 30, even right? Like 30, the, the person sure. that I was at 30 versus the person I was at 40. So being, you know, uh, yes, uh, a mature mom at 40 mm-hmm. and my doctor was wonderful. I, I, I had um, an excellent uh, experience um, having, having my daughter. It, yeah, there is, uh, it's full on all the time, doctor. <laughs> Dr. Tony, it's full on. I don't know if you know this. Oh, believe me. I know you know. I know you know. I know this. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think that, um, and I, I just talk about it so much because I think that um, I lucked out 
mm-hmm. pre-COVID, I had already, so I, this was two years before COVID hit, I'd already yeah. connected. Oh no, it was actually very close to COVID. It was in 2019. I connected with, with an incredible counselor. I actually mm-hmm. see two. Wonderful. One in person and then one, and she had moved the, my main one had moved uh, to a lovely Island uh, on the West coast. So we oh, still yes. do zoom. Nice. Um, and sort of like the, what do we call it? Maintenance, maintenance uh, checkups, Wonderful. sort of speak. Wonderful. Um, but like going to talk to a professional, I did it in university um, working through, you know, what I needed to work through in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I just, uh, talking to a professional and I, I have so many bandmates, particularly men, um, who I'm always astounded with, um, when they're in it. And so many of them are in it. We're all in it. Um, but I see the men in my life really being in it because there isn't the same culture of like, let's get together with my dude friends and like really talk about how hard being a parent is or hard being a human is, which is what I like. That's what I do with my girlfriends. Like Mm -hmm. we get together and we sit in a, we literally sit in a circle and we talk at each other. Right. And Mm -hmm. I remember seeing, I can't remember where the video was online, that that is like an ancient, gender specific or not gender specific role specific right because sitting around a fire or sitting around cooking like we just as as an ancient uh, civilization that that is how women and and mothers and and people in those roles got together yeah typically for sure right and so they're so so even though i didn't really know i was in it until i was out of it Mm -hmm. um that while I was in it, I had, I had women there with me. Um, and, and even after I was able to pull myself out and, you know, do these concerts and, and, um, leave, uh, the living situation that I was in, um, you know, I had incredible friends being like, Oh, you're so worried, but look where you are now. Right. Like to be able to have that, those kind of friendships that they're there for you, they're not going to tell you what to do. They're not going to be like, um, maybe you should know I got none of that they were just there hold, holding space holding like checking in on me and it wasn't until I had you know uh found myself and and found safety and found stability that then friends started being able to communicate um you know what they were able to witness mm-hmm. and so uh and and by witness I mean just like I'm sure your listeners will know this too. Like when you have hindsight and you look back at how you were functioning in a certain state, it's like, I just didn't know. Like, I just didn't know that white knuckling every single day, every single minute was not how you, that you didn't have to do it like that. Right. Uh, And I don't white knuckle it anymore. And, and so the, the three things again, that, and I say it is, it was three things. It was going to counseling returning it like returning and really beginning in a very diligent daily practice journaling mm. sitting down every morning and writing and uh, just stream of conscious yeah stream right. of conscious with writing it i'd always been a writer i'd yeah. i i'm a musician certainly and a songwriter but um writing um has always come easily to me and so yeah when I look back, uh, cause I have gone, like I keep, I do keep my journals. Um, I, I, and I read back on them, um, that, that I definitely started, uh, to see themes, um, emerging. Certainly I was, uh, uh, I was looking for something for sure. Um, and, and realizing that, um, as I was looking at these journals, um, I started to sit down at the piano and, um, and I wasn't necessarily 
concerned that it had been a long time that I had sat down to piano because of course um, I'd had my daughter and, and had a robust uh, warming um, practice, like performing um, career. I wasn't touring anymore, um, but I was playing lots in Calgary, uh, teaching tons, doing corporate gigs, uh, playing mm-hmm. in bars, mm-hmm. festivals, that kind of stuff. Like, and, and very busy. But um when I had my daughter, uh, just did not, you know, uh, just knew that I wouldn't, wasn't going to have the time. Yeah. And, and I was and like, I knew that I would return to it because I was a musician. I wrote music. I played music. That's what I did. Like, it wasn't like I was going to just cease, cease doing it. Um, but I hadn't done it for a long time and I'd started teaching again and was, was, was struggling, um, a bit, uh, just in terms of feeling inspired in, in what I was teaching. And so I set, started to sit down at the piano um, and would do, and could only do it. And this was how the project developed is that the reason that I also wasn't sitting down at the piano, because not only was I just too tired, like just exhausted, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, meant that I didn't want to do it. Right. Like, yeah. but then also, uh, and I've heard this from other <laughs> musician moms, um is that my daughter like didn't let me she didn't like she she didn't like me at the piano uh she didn't like me singing for a while which I thought was uh pretty hilarious because I'm a great singer I know that about like I am a good singer uh and so I I just knew that it was a like and I like and I knew that it was just like it was absolutely par for the course uh so the only time that I could could do it was not at naps because then again at, at naps is like you get done all the shit that you yeah. leave or if you're one of those people it's like make sure you sleep when she sleeps you know like I, I which I could never do um so anyway all of my creative uh practice necess- by necessity had to happen while she was sleeping and had mm-hmm. to happen when I put her sleep at night mm-hmm. because then the day was done mm-hmm she was asleep. She was in bed. I'd get a good couple hours before I'd have to, she'd wake up to, uh, to breastfeed or whatever it was. Mm. She just woke up. Uh, and so that's where I would start sitting at the piano. Um, what was interesting about, about it was that again, because I was coming at, at it uh, as pretty much a new person in the way that parenthood cracks open every person. I, I was a new person because of, of motherhood. Um, and just that experience, but I was also a new person because I was going to counseling and I was, um, instead of running, I was facing my demons. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, forgive me, I'm an artist. I always like to, uh, romanticize my certain things and I like to talk around them, right? I'm big on narrative, big on metaphor analogies, and it's just the way that I understand things, um, right? And and so, and I was talking about this with another uh, musician friend that, that a lot of times, like, concepts sometimes seem so big that it's actually easier to just sort of talk around them and circle around them a little bit. And that, like, as an artist, that's how I understand things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And And so all of those things led me to finally sit down at the piano late at night, late at night being 9 p.m., uh, and, um, and just sitting there. And, and so I think that by virtue of the fact that I was so exhausted and so tapped, um, but knowing that I wanted to return to what I love to do, which was to sit at the piano and create and just play, um, that I couldn't 
make it happen. And generally how I did things is because I have a lot of training, I have a lot of experience. I can, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Muscle things into existence, right? It's like oh, yeah. I have all, force it in, force like, it in, right? I'm going to, okay, here's do the point. It. Just do it. Like, and, and I can do it in a way that I've been trained to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I couldn't do it in that way because I didn't have any brain power in my mind. My brain was messed up. I think, and again, I don't know. Um, and certainly that's not why you have me here is to talk about like the particular mm-hmm. understandings of what postpartum depression is, but like mm-hmm. sort of just feeling very much like a blank slate, yeah. right? Like, and, and it wasn't that I was fearful in, in the way that like, who am I? I've lost my identity, which I know is is very much um, a narrative that many of my friends have shared. I, I knew who I, I knew I was gunning for who I was, but that I was in this space of just not knowing it felt very blank. Um, or like, did was it kind of like a big gap that you had to like, or a big hurdle to like get over to that place, or just even like just a space of just like nothing? Yeah, that's a good question. It was a space of it was a space of of haziness. Like, uh, yeah. I think that there was just like yeah. it wasn't static, but if like uh, you know, with my eyes closed, I I can sort of picture. That, that there was it was this distance and it wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't like something that I had to leap over or jump over it was just like um yeah this fog this haziness so that I'm you know reaching out for something um anything mm-hmm. um and just not knowing what it is and so what I what I would do which was so different from how I would do it before which was sit there and muscle something into existence and I am now going to write a song and pull a song out um, that instead I would just sit there and wait. And it was probably a couple of weeks. Um, I, I, when the time comes, I could probably timeline it out a little bit, which I intend to do because I think the process itself was now that I've experienced it, it's kind of, it, it's, I experienced it, but it's fascinating to sort of look back on it is that. So for a number of weeks, I just sat there mm-hmm. and, and I would, ju- that was it. And, and maybe I'd play, but it was, and I wonder, again, I'm sure there must be um, similarity, similar experiences to like, okay, I'm not going to like do the thing, but I'm going to position myself in the place of potentially doing the thing. And that seemed to be much easier. It's like, instead of like, I'm going to write a song, it's like, I'm just going to sit at the piano. That's pressure. Right? The, yeah. Taking the pressure off. Yeah. And I think also like, and this was a big thing that uh, unfolded for me in talking to my counselor in those early days was what I can control and what I can't control, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is a, a theme that emerges a fair bit because there is in those early years of motherhood, a lot of things you can control. And then there's just so much that you can't. And then as they get older, even less you can control. <laughs> and certainly what I was discovering as I was, um, you know, turning to, to face my emotions and that I have them and that I can experience them and that they not be out of control, um, that, that, that is actually what I can control. And even the word control, I don't like to use necessarily that, that I can experience my emotions and, and that I can maneuver with them, um, and, and still feel present Yeah, would be the way that I would, um, because control again, like now I have a different relationship to control yeah because it's not like suppressing or yeah pushing down in terms of controlling and and them not 
being there, but yeah. it's moving through them in a different way. Yeah, moving through them in a different way. And, I, and I'm sure this narrative pops up a lot when you talk to mothers too, in regards to like, not only controlling like all aspects of the care of and well-being of your child, but it, you start to like control all aspects of, of your partner or spouse or the person that you're supposed to be attempting to raise this child with. And so I was controlling everything, not knowing that I was attempting to control everything, but certainly feeling like I, like I was failing. And so in counseling and in my sessions uh, with, with my counselor, you know, the, the premise of like, well, maybe you let go. Um, and I, I know that it wasn't presented to me like that because I'm sure if I was presented with, well, you just need to let go. Kenna, I would have just like, like, fuck that shit. <laughs> right. Like you present, like, wh- how would you even do that? Like, how do you even let go? But in terms of, um, being given guidance mm-hmm. conceptually that then I was able to enact in my artistic practice Mm -hmm. is where I feel I can't think of a different phrase but where the rubber hit the road for me Mm -hmm. because I started experiencing all these um realizations of of you know what I normalized um not only in my childhood and in my life but in in my marriage uh the things that I uh knew that I didn't want to carry forth into uh, my own motherhood journey, but that I realized that I was, uh, by just not being aware, um, that, that I could then, um, anchor these realizations and practices of how do I, um, how do I heal myself? How do I take care of myself so that I can take care of another human being? that I, that I was absolutely able to understand those concepts quicker through applying them to my creative practice. Because ultimately what is creativity, but birthing something that didn't exist before into being. Absolutely. Right. And so certainly it would seem that the most creatively wild act would be to birth another human being into this world. And that certainly is a wild, uh, wild experience. That, that you don't have to be part of the parent club, uh, though, to have those incredible moments of realization when you are bringing something into uh, into the in, into this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so as an artist, uh, I'm always so very aware of that and, and only aware of it in terms of how special it is and how lucky I am that I get to do that. But that also what I realized um, through my own journey how much I wanted to help and be in service to others doing that as well. Amazing. Right. Uh, and, and again, I'm sure it's similar for you that, that the point of contact for anyone that I work with or anytime I sit down to write, uh, write or collaborate, which I do a lot in all sorts of different disciplines um, in the arts it, is that like, what, what do I know to be true? Like, what do I know is my own experience rather than what I think it should be. The the whole should uh lens um was really cracked open when I when I when I realized that again that I could only experience everything uh like I could only experience what is true by what I've actually experienced. That I could read all these things, I could listen to podcasts, I could um yeah get all this sort of information but that um, that ultimately I had to rely on what I was experiencing 
And then a certain amount of analysis, of course, discernment actually maybe would be a better word. So I didn't necessarily ever sit and, and analyze things, but I did try to discern, you know, mm-hmm. what behavior and, you know, uh, behavior, yeah, behavior and processes seem to be effective or at least nurturing yeah, rather than destructive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And again, you know, sharing all of that journey that you went through. Thank you for that. Oh, I'd say it was my pleasure. <laughs> and, it was, it was, it was. And, and I, and I definitely want to hear more. Mm. So we will stop here for now and continue this conversation in another episode. In the meantime, you can connect with Kenna on Instagram or her website, kennabaruma.com. We'll definitely leave links for that in the show notes. And as always, we'll switch gears a little bit before we say goodbye. I'd like to quickly share with you my super mom moment for this week is... I uh, really wanted to go to the Sled Island Block Party, a wonderful like music festival here in the city, and managed to convince Frankie to come along with me and a friend. I've taken her before and, and um, I, you know, it did require a little cajoling and we managed to go. We had a lot of fun. There was a lot of kids there. It was great. It was, it was really, it was a family event and they had uh, some big tubs of like soap and like, uh, so we can make big bubbles with, they had sticks and string kind of, um, you know, put together so we can make really huge bubbles. So Frankie, it took a little bit. Frankie got really into it. We had a lot of fun and it was just a beautiful day, which then leads to my mama mess up because of course, you know, I was paying attention to the weather forecast. It was supposed to rain. So after we were there for about an hour in the sun, well, not continuously, but I realized, oh, yeah, oh, we didn't put sunscreen on. So a bit of a mama mess up there. Thankfully, she didn't get a burn. I got a little burn. I got a little sun. Um, but anyway, another reminder me to just no matter what the weather forecast is or to make sure that I actually bring Frankie's sunscreen in my bag of all of the things. So that also leads to today's mama must have. I'm a big fan of aloe gel to just put on the skin, you know, après sun to to really soothe um, and cool down the skin. Great for for burns especially for sunburns so um yes big fan of just having a nice um plain aloe gel product um you can definitely get you know really pure high quality aloe gel at health food stores and even some uh, grocery stores as well so again thanks again 
for joining us today. Uh, just even to share what else is happening with me and Dr. Lisa, my next hypnobirthing session for expecting parents looking to decrease fear and anxiety to support natural instincts around birth and labor is happening later this fall. You can join me at hypnobirthingcalgary.com slash register. And you can also join Dr. Lisa's Facebook group, Wild Woman Adventures Toronto, if you want to get out an adventure uh, in nature and connect with other women and push yourself out of your comfort zone. So again, thanks so much for joining us today. You can find the show notes at perimenopausalmamas.com. Email, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram. We'd love for you to subscribe, leave us a review and a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode. And please tell your perimenopausal mamas friends about us too. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Take care. Bye.